Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast. That's where we look ahead to some of the key events that are going to be occupying markets and provide talking points in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means this week we'll be talking about the state of sterling and what it means for inflation and prices. Will the European Central Bank stick or twist on rates? And finally, we'll ask our retail editor whether Burberry is back to form. So clearly, Deirdre Hipwell, the retail editor of The Times, is here and she's joined in the studio by our economics editor, Philip Aldrich. Welcome to you all. Philip, let me start with you. Sterling, all sorts of historical records and all on the downside being bandied about Investors are getting worried about the state of the UK economy's prospects. You know, they're concerned that the UK is not such an investable country as it as it was on June 23rd. Uh, so uh, the you know, traders are, are selling the pound. Um, so I mean, yeah, the pound has hit what a 30 what has been at a 31 year low against the dollar for um, you know for, for a month, um, and uh, and and it's against the trade weighted basket of currencies. It's hit its lowest point since the Bank of England uh, started keeping track of of an exchange rated index since 1975. When people talk about currency swings or wild fluctuations, people often talk about overselling both sides of the of of, of the disc. In this case, do you think? The reaction is overdone, or are we beginning to see people realise that the Brexit, in whatever form it takes, is going to be quite a hard landing? Well, F- Philip Hammond said in Washington last week that the other foot has dropped. I think he, he was trying to say the other shoe has dropped in the markets. And when we voted to leave on June 23rd, the economists in the city uh, were predicting uh, a fall in the pound to $1.20. We're, we're still above that. We're still around one twenty-two. We had stabilised at one thirty, and the And part of the reason for that is that people... There was a there were a bunch of people who still believed that um, there was some prospect of us remaining within the, inside the single market or um, or even actually not triggering Article 50. The other foot that Mr. Hammond said had dropped was the re- realization in the markets that you know this is this is serious. We're, we, you know we're, Britain is really is going to leave the European Union. So 120, if that's what they were predicting before, I don't see why it couldn't go there. The more pessimistic forecasters are saying $1.10. I, I don't think it's going to pick up for a while. And there's going to be there's going to be a lot of volatility in sterling for a, for a while, uh, because the 
factor moving the pound is uh, is political uncertainty and, and politics is not something that economists can input into their econometric models to produce a handy outcome of where the pound should be because you just can't compute what um, Theresa May is going to say or what the Europeans are going to do uh, as part of these negotiations. Deirdre, you've already been on the front page of the paper, in fact, writing about a, a dispute And it's over prices, isn't it, between Tesco and Unilever in this particular case? I mean, what's the background to that? And and, and in a way, what Philip was saying, how has that played into the equation here? Would it have happened before if, if, let's say, we'd voted to stay or we hadn't had a referendum at all? Uh, Absolutely. I I think what's happening this week is people are finally starting to realise that this is going to impact us. And for the food and drink sector and the retail sector, they've already been feeling this pressure for some time. Talking about the row between Unilever and Tesco, I mean, it is a big wrangle. You've got Unilever, one of the biggest uh, food manufacturers in the world, and Tesco, the biggest supermarket, and the row is over pricing because Unilever has gone to Tesco and said with the fallen currency, the cost of importing many of their products has, has gone up, and they want to pass some of that increase on to Tesco and Tesco is, is fighting back. It's hard to know who is the um, the villain in this piece because you could argue that um, Tesco certainly in the past has, has had a pretty bad reputation for squeezing suppliers. But if you look at it, Unilever and other food companies, their margins are at almost near lows and have been for some time. So it's not like they've been raking in the hay while the pound was stronger. And then you've got retailers whose margins are perilously thin because of the fight with the discounters. So what is happening is these costs, Unilever is passing them on to Tesco, whether it'll get the 10% it's reported to have asked for or less. Tesco will then have to pass it on to consumers. And I think the British public is finally starting to realise that come next year we are going to be paying more for food and drink and and things that we're importing. And that's going to just impact our wages, isn't it? Because even if you get a minuscule pay increase, you know, inflation could eat away at that. The International Monetary Fund was predicting 2.5% inflation before the the more recent fall in the pound. You wouldn't... um be surprised to see inflation rise above 3% next year and you know pay rises are are going up by around 2%. So it, this is going to make everyone feel poorer. It's not just food and it's clothes, it's uh, white goods. A lot of our sort of vacuum cleaners and um, microwaves are built in on the continent and you know they they want to sell it to us at the same euro uh, that they made it at. They don't see why they should take the hit from uh, the fall in the pound and and so they they're demanding that when they sell it here that our you know our uh, retailers have to have to pay a higher price as a result and i think consumers will feel that pretty quickly i mean speaking from personal experience having uh, come from zimbabwe where at one point they had 9 million percent inflation obviously we're not heading to that but inflation you feel it instantly because your disposable income you're going to be paying more for everything so i think particularly people who are uh, you know poorer families or people you know, on minimum wage incomes, I mean, it's going to hit them hardest. I mean, for an upper class family, you know, it might be that suddenly their weekly shop is costing maybe 20, 30 pounds more a week. But if you are on, you know, 90 pounds a week income, you're really going to feel it. And I think that'll be interesting to see how, from a political point of view, mm. how the government navigates that. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a really interesting dynamic because obviously the electorate voted to take back control. They did not vote to become poorer. Um, and so, if the trade-off becomes much more apparent that it's a you know it is a trade-off between control and personal 
well-being and living standards um the the sort of narrative on on the political narrative on this subject may shift from immigration a little bit and i'd also be interested to see because when you're speaking to retailers at the moment they're talking about well you know you can't just look at currency you also have to look at commodity prices and also there's a lot of self-help measures like uh that we can take such as cost cutting and i'll just be interested to see what form that cost cutting takes because if that means that they're going to start cutting jobs that's obviously not a good thing either and you have to bear in mind that retailers are also between now in 2020 dealing with a huge inflation in their wage bill because of the national living wage so retailers in particular are under severe cost pressures at the moment and I think that is going to really uh, start to um, reveal itself next year because obviously up until about spring next year a lot of the retailers are hedged except notably Sports Direct. I, I love the way that also obviously the inflation has been predicted ever since we left uh, the European Union, or we voted to leave because uh, the pound has fallen, and it's taken the threat of price rises in a jar of Marmite to really bring it home that uh, you know it's it's real. Well, well, you know it's serious now. Marmite's yeah. bigger than Brexit. Well, well, indeed it is, and in fact, with those inflation numbers coming up, this is the last word we heard certainly from Governor Mark Carney about shocks and inflation targets, and whether there's any room for manoeuvre. The MPC's remit recognizes that when the effects of shocks persist over an extended period, the MPC is likely to face an exceptional trade-off between returning inflation to target promptly and stabilizing output. When this is the case, the remit requires the MPC to explain how it has balanced that trade-off, including the horizon over which it aims to return inflation to target. Philip, is there scope for the MPC? I mean, you've written about this to actually take into account everything that you've said and said, but at the moment, we do need a little bit of inflation and we should probably tear up the target. It, it'll affect people's living standards and pay packets is, is one thing, but actually um, what we need to see is, is more inflation in the economy because uh, we've got very high household debt levels, we've got very high government debt levels, and they're just they're, they're not being depleted. The normal way that they would be that you would erode away high debt is through high growth, which would, is one thing, but then the other thing is, is high levels of inflation. If you look back into the 1970s, there was enormous... From, from 1948, we had 250%... 2.5 times the size of our GDP was the national debt, and it, it came right down to 48% by 1981. And this was this was largely a function of high levels of inflation. So uh, the the scale of the debt remains you know similar, but what uh, the the sum of money that your wage or the size of the economy has grown far faster than than that debt pile. So it just it just sort of effectively disappears. And we need that in the economy to get to get back to a to a more stable footing. The, the only thing is, it, it only really works if if inflation is followed by, uh, so inflation in, in goods prices and stuff, is followed by uh, inflation in pay packets as well. Inflation in, in other parts of the economy is good to reduce the national debt if we have growth as well, but we really need, uh, we really need to see pay rising with inflation. Uh, so there's all sorts of complications here because obviously that's not good for business, but um, longer term we, we do need to get inflation back into um, back into the economy and and the international monetary fund has been advocating this for the US and for Canada the bank of japan has been uh, doing this recently what their plan is is to just deliberately overshoot the inflation target so at the moment the bank of england has a 2% inflation target like other countries um, and uh, the, the the current sort of economic thinking the new economic thinking is that 
we should just say we're happy to overshoot and we're not going to get back to target for a while. We'll get we'll get back to 2% eventually, but there's no rush, guys. It may take a, a, a few years and, and just let inflation rise. But of course, in, in, in parallel with those inflation figures and those, the, those dilemmas that I suppose the European Central Bank, part of the Eurozone, or at the heart of the Eurozone, it's still very much... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. A huge trading partner for us, and, and they've got their own problems. And the last time we heard uh, Mario Draghi, the president, speaking, he was also talking about shocks and what the ECB might or might not be able to do. Over the coming months, when we have more information, including new staff projections, we will be in a better position to reassess the underlying macroeconomic conditions, the most likely paths of inflation and growth and the distribution of risks around those paths. If warranted to achieve its objective, the Governing Council will act by using all the instruments available within its mandate. All available instruments. I mean, what have they got left, Philip, in their locker for a start? Not much. I mean, uh, central banks are supposedly out of ammunition uh, pretty much now. So he's, uh, he's unlikely to do anything. Also, the ECB is unlikely to do anything um, in October. Uh, the, there is a, a general consensus that it will extend quantitative easing by a further six months to uh, near the end of 2017 when it meets in December. So it's a bit more of the same. I mean, all the instruments in the toolkit have been used pretty much. So... He's just going to bring him out again. Everyone, are we into uncon? People talk about unconventional weapons. We're, we've, or, are we've we actually been there. through that? We've we've done unconventional, and unconventional has become conventional. I mean, there are there are things like helicopter money where 
you print it and you give it to you give money to people and then they can go and spend it although actually there was a there was some some piece of research recently which said that if people were given money the idea was that they would go and spend it and it would help demand uh, drive demand growth in in the economy but uh, they would probably just save it which is obviously it suggests that even helicopter money wouldn't wouldn't work so uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think we're, we're pretty near the end of uh, end of monetary policy. The, the the pressure now is on governments to spend a bit more, and we're actually beginning to see that in Germany, for example, they're cutting, they're, they're planning to cut tax rates, and uh, again, that and that's a more realistic way of making people people spend. Did it, obviously consumer confidence really at the key of all this, and obviously apart from, I mean, looking even beyond the retail sector, uh, in, in the wider economy. Confidence underpins everything, doesn't it, for consumers? Do you hear from the people, particularly those with sort of outfacing businesses that export or have big online units, do they feel that investor confidence is riding high or is there a huge amount of nervousness amongst their shoppers, their business people? I think there is a lot of nervousness. As with anything, you can't make a, a total generalisation because... No people still seem to be spending on their houses, which I think is quite interesting. Kingfisher recently, when they gave results, you know, obviously Kingfisher owns uh, B&Q they, and Screwfix, they were saying, you know, their figures were good and that people are doing, and not just paint jobs, like big DIY projects, paving, installing new bathrooms and kitchens. So that would indicate confidence. But then on the flip side, you have fashion retailers who've had a shocking summer. You've got other retailers that such as the, the grocers that we've already talked about who uh, who've been experiencing difficult conditions for some time because of the discount uh, situation so i think it, it's hard to say but i think overall certainly in the last two or three weeks there's been more uncertainty and you've seen that through some of the research that's coming out this week the food and drink federation which obviously represents all of the food manufacturers said that they felt that consumer confidence was fragile and they were saying that a a survey of their members said that three quarters were expecting their raw material prices to go up and many of them are concerned about the form that brexit takes because the food and drink industry by far is is the biggest in terms of manufacturing in the UK. Not many people know that because everyone's obsessed with Rolls-Royce and the like, but they employ a lot of people and they directly employ 400,000 people, a third of whom are EU nationals. So of course, they're concerned about the, you know, the form that Brexit takes. And so I think that is what's starting to happen now. We've had this kind of phony war and everyone's been, oh, it's all right, you know, we've Brexited, but nothing's actually happened. Whereas now, obviously, it's clear that it may not be a soft landing. All right, we'll sit tight, both of you. And remember, we do have now a fully dedicated Brexit team of reporters and analysts, and you can sign up to the Brexit briefing at thetimes.co.uk. We're going to take a short break now, but when we come back, we'll be checking in with Burberry. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Deirdre, as we mentioned, we've got a trading update from Burberry. I mean, it's been through some pretty tough times and, and, and tentative changes at the top. What are you looking for and what are the analysts looking for? 
everyone will be hoping to see some sign that Burberry is getting through what has been a difficult period and not just for Burberry for all luxury retailers we've had a slowdown in purchasing patterns amongst the Chinese consumers and there's just been general concerns about how stable the luxury market is so I think everyone will want to see that they are getting through that and I think everyone will be hoping that they're going to have some positive like for like sales and in fact Burberry's figures could be pretty good because they will obviously have benefited from the fall in sterling because tourists shopping in London it's never been a cheaper time to buy your you know Burberry check coat or handbag uh, so I think they could have had a currency boost in their figures and also what will be interesting is um, we might get a little bit of insight into how their last fashion show went which was the new fashion show where their the products that were shown on the catwalk were immediately available to buy they had the slogan as as retailers do see the show buy the show uh, there was only 10 days of trading following the fashion show before they went into their closed period. So I don't know how detailed a look, but we'll certainly get an insight into how demand was after that. And that could be interesting because obviously going forward, that's going to be a big thing for Burberry. And then just finally, this will probably be the last time that Carol Fairweather will be doing the call. The chief financial officer is stepping down. Obviously, Christopher Bailey never deigned to speak to financial journalists on on either interim or prelim results. And of course, we'll all be awaiting Marco Gabetti, the new CEO of Burberry. Philip, there's one point about tourists willing to come over here. And in fact, we had it on the front page of the paper. Geeves and Hawks apparently had a tremendous few weeks because Chinese tourists came over, taking advantage as Didra said, the low pound. But it's one thing to come here shopping, isn't it? And say, well, I'll go and have a good fashion, refresh my wardrobe. It's quite another though for people thinking about investing in this country. Is there a clear disconnect, do you think, between good shopping bargains, but hey, would I invest in the UK? Yeah, there'll still be some uh, some people you know, from China and uh, other countries who just want to get their money out of the country and they'll see the UK as a you know pretty good long-term investment prospect. Um, so, so the houses will, you know, at the top end may still be bought but i think um uh overall what you know business investment into into the uk it you know we haven't we do not have line of sight to to what our sort of economic fundamentals are going to be in the future you know the, the same goes for sort of for individuals who are who are going to be in, investing in you know, sort of from from wealthier countries i think rather than from uh countries like china but then there'll be you know as people going over buying stuff uh, from burberry in overseas and i think burberry are in china and japan is in japan i mean i imagine that yeah. burberry could be, be doing pretty well because you know in in theory their prices should be coming down over there yeah although uh, in uh, hong kong and macau it has been quite difficult for burberry um but yes we should see perhaps now it should start to pick up and they are in japan but from quite a small small base but i think on this wider point about investment into the UK. Fundamentally, the UK, I think, still remains a very attractive destination for many large investment groups. And uh, recently, we had some top investment bankers in uh, from an unnamed bank, and they were talking about how there was huge interest still from Chinese 
groups and not just the state-backed Chinese groups from groups that we wouldn't necessarily have even heard of. And they're looking at consumer groups. A lot of them want to buy companies that have well-known brands or expertise that the Chinese groups can learn from. So I think we could still see that. And I think we'll still see interest from North America and even from Europe because with the pound down, it it's actually could be just from a currency point of view, it could be quite a, a good time to buy a company. But obviously, M&A transactions, one hopes, should be driven more by, than just by a currency consideration. It's putting money into the country for uh, building uh, future capacity which may may you, we may find that that is dented as, as you know companies will take advantage of the pound to buy a cheap pound to buy a business there's certainly talk and this is why the pound is down to a degree that it's you know there's there's worries about the long-term economic sustainable well not sustainable the long-term economic trajectory for the UK which is going to be slightly worse than previously so in that context would you start investing a lot of money into a retail uh, park, or would you start, um, you know, putting a lot of R and D into your into your UK operations if you believe that there's just not going to be as many buyers uh, here in the UK of your products as, as there were before the referendum? Well, thanks both very much, and that's about it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with the events we've just been talking about. They'll be covered under breaking news with analysis. It'll be online via your tablets and mobiles, and don't forget, of course, in the paper. If you are a Times subscriber, take the chance to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime business emails if you haven't already, and you can get a special offer if you don't have a subscription. Just go to thetimes.co.uk. It costs one pound. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Deirdre Hipwell and Philip Aldrich there on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.